Razorback fans, it's talking season. So what that means is we're going to talk about everything going on in Razorback sports as they head to SEC Media Days next week. We'll have plenty of content. But today we got a very special guest, Andrew Hutchinson of Best of Arkansas Sports, joins us today on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 103.7 The Buzz. Com. Lots of things to dive into when it comes to Razorback sports, particularly football, because that's the next big thing, and that's what's on everybody's mind, and there's no better person to talk about it as we welcome in here on the Locked on Razorbacks podcast, Andrew Hutchinson of Best of Arkansas Sports. And Andrew, as always, appreciate you joining us. How you doing this afternoon, man? Doing good, John. How about you? I'm doing great, and I got to ask you, though, you have changed jobs here recently. I know you're fairly new to Best of Arkansas Sports, so... Uh, kind of give us a, a breakdown of uh, what's going to be different in your new gig and what's it like to to work for Best of Arkansas Sports. Yeah, Best of Arkansas Sports, we're an independent site, not affiliated with anything like you know Rivals or 24-7 or anything like that, uh, but we're covering the Razorbacks. We're a free site, no paywall, so I know a lot of fans are excited about that, uh, and it's it's really cool. I mean, I'm about two weeks into it now, and uh, I just really enjoy, you know, I was telling you before we got on that, you know, I, I like being able to do some kind of more in-depth, deeper analysis type pieces uh, rather than having to crank out, you know, four or five stories a day. So, uh, so far, so good and uh, got lots of stuff already, lots of good stuff already written over there if you if y'all want to go check it out. Definitely will, because, uh, you know, it's at this point in time where everyone's just craving any sort of content that they can get. But especially when it comes to football side of things and, and Hutch, I know you've been doing this for a while as far as covering the Razorbacks you know me and you are I guess when it comes to our uh, our age uh and years of covering the Razorbacks we're about the same but I think it's been kind of fun where heading into this upcoming football season it's been a while since Razorback fans have felt good or as good as what they do right now because even last year heading in people felt like they could be good or that they could be a great team that takes the next next step but there's still some uncertainty because you saw the schedule and all those things. But they did. They want they went eight and four last year, nine and four with the bowl victory down there in Tampa. And heading into this upcoming season, not only are you going to be pretty much a bona fide top 25 team, but there's going to be some people that may even be picking you to compete against some teams that you normally haven't been able to in the SEC. It just seems like it's a really eerie, different, unique feeling, but it's a great feeling for Razorback fans to feel this way heading into a football season. Yeah, this is this is really new. I mean, it's probably been what a decade since we've had these type of conversations that Arkansas is going to be really good. I mean, uh, so it, it's it's different. It's very weird hearing national people talk like, "Well, Arkansas could be the dark horse in the West." Uh, you know, they you know they may be picked second, or you know, maybe they could push Alabama. Because I mean, we just saw last year where. They went blow for blow with Alabama for almost the entire game, just came up a little bit short. So it, it's it's weird. It, I, I will say that. It is definitely weird, uh, a good weird, uh, because it's just it's it's more fun to cover a winning team, one that's not, you know, going two and ten in back to back years and losing to teams they have no business losing to. It's it's much more fun when you're in the national conversation and and people care. 
Uh, that that's the big thing is there's excitement around the program, and that just makes our jobs that much more fun. And I agree with you. And I think that, of course, there is as a football team and as a football program, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things that have to be involved and have to be great in order for a team to be great. But it, is it a too simplistic way of just saying the reason people feel this way, the reason people are saying these things about Arkansas is Sam Pittman? Like, is it too simplistic just to say Sam Pittman's the reason? And I'm not saying that no one deserves credit, but it certainly just shows how much of a difference it can make if you have the right guy as your head coach of your program. I mean, absolutely. I mean, not only is, has he shown that he's a good football coach and a good recruiter and things like that, but he's also a likable guy. I mean, I don't know of anybody, you know, that has just speaks poorly about Sam Pittman. Even whenever he got hired, you know, people were maybe thinking, oh, well, it's a questionable hire. This guy's never been a, a head coach before at the Division One level. Uh, he's been a career offensive line coach, but it was all those kind of things like his resume. It wasn't this guy's a horrible person. This guy's a scumbag or whatever. Uh, people genuinely like him, and that's why he is a good recruiter, and that's why he's he's kind of reinvigorated this fan base, I think. People can buy into him, and, and they think he is the guy that can elevate this program to where you know a lot of people think it should be, and so – uh, I think Sam Pittman has a lot to do with it, uh, but I also think it, it would be remiss if we didn't mention K.J. Jefferson coming back as a starting quarterback after what he did last year is also another huge reason for uh, all the optimism with the football program right now. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned K.J. I just remember last year, you know, there was people that said he was the last quarterback in the SEC, which I, know, I don't want to hate on everybody that did that, but it's almost like, okay, it's going to be his first year as a starter, he played in one game the year before. To say he was the worst quarterback in the SEC may have been a little much, but I can understand why people were uncertain, like why people were saying, hey, this this could not be great. This could be a problem for Arkansas. But then last year, we, we saw what he was able to do. I know that you've covered Razorback Sports and you covered recruiting, and you also kind of saw KJ and uh, from high school and on. Is Did you expect that type of year out of him? Because it kind of surpassed my expectation for him. I know that having Traylon Burks always helps, but I think that seeing what out of that, seeing what we saw out of him last year, it really changed people's minds about him. Were you expecting that at all? You know, I wish I could sit here and tell you that I absolutely expected him to be a you know top two or three quarterback in the SEC, and that I I saw him being a a great player, but I I didn't. I mean, I I thought when Kendall Bryles met with the media. I think it was during fall camp last year we asked him like hey what's a good kind of expectation for kj as far as completion percentage that kind of thing and you know remember we, we had just seen felipe franks break a school record that had stood for nearly 40 years in terms of single season completion percentage and my biggest concern about kj was his accuracy and lo and behold, Kendall Browse says we think you know if he completes 65 percent of his passes that'd be that'd be pretty good and i Literally, as soon as he said it, I said, yeah, there's no chance that happens. No way. I mean, there's just – he just has shown too much inconsistency in practice, and it just – it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And all he did was go out there and complete like 67% of his passes. Uh, just a tremendous season for him. I think we all knew he was going to be a really solid runner. Uh, I think he maybe was even a little bit better as a runner than, than maybe we expected. I didn't know that he would have such big playability. I kind of viewed him more as kind of a bruiser type, you know, run you over type 
of quarterback, but he also showed some really good speed and elusiveness. Uh, so he overall exceeded my expectations, uh, even the most optimistic expectations. Like you, I didn't think he was number 14 out of 14 SEC quarterbacks going into the year, but I definitely probably would have had him in the bottom half of the SEC just because we didn't know about him other than the one game against Missouri. And again, that's Missouri, not Alabama, LSU, teams like that. So uh, he definitely far exceeded expectations. And now I'm, I'm going into the, the season kind of with an open mind. Like, I think it's a little bit crazy that some people are talking about him as a Heisman Trophy candidate. But then I remember, well, I also thought it was crazy that people thought he could complete 65% of his passes last year and, and he exceeded that. So who knows? I think the sky is the limit, to say the least, for K.J. Jefferson. But isn't it crazy? I was thinking about this the other day that Arkansas had Matt Jones, who was ahead of his time. Like you remember watching him. Like it, it was just, I still believe top end speed, there is still no quarterback that's come close to him. I mean, I know that Cam Newton was fast and Vince Young was fast, but this dude ran a 4 3 7. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was fast, but he was ahead of his time. And then after that, no dual threat quarterbacks like ever again. It's like you go through, you know, have Casey Dick and, you know, the Mitch Mustaine era. And then you go to, uh, you know, Ryan Mallett and then Tyler Wilson, then Brandon Allen, then Austin Allen, and then whatever Chad Morris was trying to do. Like, it, it was incredible to think that it went that long without Arkansas having a legit dual threat quarterback. Now you have one with KJ and you see the effectiveness of it. I feel like if you're going to win at Arkansas, if you're going to win in this era of college football and win in the SEC at a place like Arkansas, you have to have a quarterback like KJ. Like, obviously, he's a great player, but the type of player he is, that's the type of player you need and quarterback you need if you want to beat the big boys like Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I think it all depends on kind of what system you're trying to run. It needs to be a system where you get the right guy. Like, if Mike Leach had come to, to Arkansas, for example, you know, K.J. Jefferson is probably not the quarterback you want running that system. Uh, maybe a Will Rogers would be a guy – you know, he seems to really fit that system and, and do really well there. I think that could be replicated at Arkansas. Uh, I think, you know, Ryan Mallett doing what he did. I mean, I think we can all agree Ryan Mallett was not the most mobile guy in the world. Uh, and But he, he fit that system that Bobby Petrino ran. Uh, so I really think it's just a matter of finding the perfect quarterback that fits whatever system it is. I mean, it could be a pro-style system. I mean, Brandon Allen was really, really good, especially that second half of the senior year. So I think that's probably the fit is probably the most important thing. And I think that's the good thing with KJ is he fits exactly what, you know, Kendall Bryles and, and the rest of the staff want to do on offense. I think that's the biggest key to him having a lot of success. And then of course, Arkansas having success as well. We'll continue our conversation with Andrew Hutchinson of best of Arkansas sports here in just a second, but folks with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, you need par parts. It happens. And you're going to need them for various different makes and models. That's what Rock Auto is going to help you out with. You can save time and money when you use Rock Auto when it comes to all your parts for your car or for your truck. You spend less and you get to do business with a family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And their prices are reliably low for every single customer, whether it's a do-it-yourselfer or whether you own your own company. It's all going to be the same price. They have everything you need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go and explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, 
are the car par- all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, continuing our discussion with Andrew Hutchinson of Best of Arkansas Sports here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Andrew, we've been talking football, and obviously with media days coming up, we mentioned KJ, but Sam Pittman's also bringing Jalen Catalan as well as Bumper Pool. And I, I think that that's you know, probably the right move, especially guys that have been in the program and all of them kind of came in around the same time, and all of them have been through some similar things as well. But uh, particularly looking at Catalan, him coming back for another year, of course, was huge. But also the injury that he suffered last year, it just makes me wonder. Arkansas had a great year last year, but would he, if he was able to be healthy and, and play at the level we know he's capable of last season, would Arkansas's defense have been any different? Like, would it have had other performances, whether it was against like Ole Miss or something like that, that would have changed? Basically, my question is, how big of an impact is having Jalen Catalan on this defense compared to not having him on this defense? I think it's really hard to quantify, but I do think there is one prime example that just sticks out in my mind. You know, Catalan played in that Ole Miss game, but he very clearly was not healthy. There were at least two instances where Catalan went up uh, to defend a pass and he, you know, prevented the, the catch, but he didn't come down with the interception. A couple of them that he very, I mean, I, I remember like going, well, why, why didn't he come down with that as an interception? Like, come on, what, what's going on, Jalen? Um, then come to find out he was dealing, I think, with a, a, sh- a shoulder injury maybe or a hand injury. I don't know. There, there was all sorts of things. He was, he was banged up, not healthy. And, you know, if he makes one of those interceptions and prevents Ole Miss from scoring a touchdown just one time, then Arkansas wins that game and you're probably playing in the New Year's Six Bowl game and potentially having a 10-win season. And that's just crazy to think about, uh, that that one guy could have that kind of impact. Now, there's other things that could have gone differently as well, a two-point play, all that stuff. But Jalen Catalan, I think, a healthy Jalen Catalan, is just massive for the defense. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a leader. Uh, he's the guy that's really, you know, calling out all the plays. Everyone talks about the middle linebacker, and, and that's important. Like, bumper pull is going to be massively important, too. But that safety spot that Catalan plays is also very vocal, uh, having to call things out, point things out, direct traffic. Uh, so having him back there, you know, as an experienced guy, you know, third year in the system, I think is invaluable. And I think that's going to be huge for this defense. And it makes, you know, Jalen Catalan one of the more in- indispensable Razorbacks, you know, right up there with KJ Jefferson. Because uh, if he goes down, uh, I don't think things would fall apart because I think this coaching staff is competent. Uh, but if he goes down, it would it would definitely hurt the defense, and they wouldn't be near as good as they would be with him on the field. I agree with you, and I also think I might be crazy in thinking that this next this upcoming season's defensive backs. Dare I say that they'll be better this year than they were last year? Because I obviously haven't Catalan's big, but they did lose Fouché, they did lose Greg Brooks, which. Say what you want about them, but I mean they they were they were players that started and they had some plays last year that they made. But you brought in a few transfers. Uh, you lost uh, Buster Buster Brown, which was big. But I don't know. I feel like that there's a actually a legitimately good chance that this defensive secondary can be better this year than last year. 
I don't think you're crazy. I don't. I mean, you, you bring in uh, Dwight McGlother from LSU. I think he has the potential to, to fill in those shoes left by Buster Brown, uh, be kind of that lockdown corner. Uh, I think, you know, Jalen Catalan being healthy for a full year uh, would be, you know, a plus for this year's defense. Uh, Miles Slusher, you know, depending on where he ends up, he's been kind of uh, kind of a Swiss Army knife back there so far like during the spring. He was, you know, getting reps at safety, which is where he played this past season. He was also starting at nickel. Uh, he also got some looks at corner. So, you know, maybe he starts at nickel. You've got Jaden Johnson. That's also a, a guy, a young guy who I thought showed a lot of potential last year as a true freshman. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Latavius Brini. He's a guy that we didn't really get to see a ton of with the first unit during the spring. He was probably the one transfer that kind of was behind the pack of all the other transfers. But, you know, Sam Pittman mentioned, like, hey, this is a guy that he's still learning. He was still kind of coming along slowly, uh, and it was just hard for him to adjust. You know, maybe now that, you know, several months have gone by, he'll be more comfortable during fall camp and maybe be able to assert himself as a starter. So you've got lots of pieces there that, you know, you know again, you've got some depth too. So if someone does go down, you know, God forbid if Jalen Catalan gets hurt again, you've got some guys that can step in and fill in for them. Uh, so I, I don't think it's crazy that, you know, maybe this this secondary has a chance to be better than last year's. Because the secondary, I think, has a legit chance. Linebacker, I know you lost Grant Morgan and, and Hayden Henry, but returning bumper pool, and I, I still think Drew Sanders is going to be, like, next level. I, I, I expect big things out of him. He comes in. You could argue that maybe at linebacker you might be better, or you may be just as good, but you might be better. D-line's the one that's a big question mark that we all have because we know what they lost and they didn't really gain a whole lot to give you a lot of hope there. But the offensive line is returning. It could potentially be just as good, if not better. We know KJ could be just as good, if not better. Running backs, when they're all healthy, just as good, if not better, than what they were last year. And then the wide receivers, I think that we're all going to go ahead and agree they're not going to be as good because you don't have a Traylon Burks. It could be good, but just without Traylon Burks, it, it, you never know. And then the tight end position, I feel like they'll be just as good because they weren't that great with tight end last year. They lost Blake, Blake Kern, but you, you had some pieces there. I say all that because I'm going to start convincing myself. I'm like, okay, so if you're pretty much going to be just as good, if not better, at every position group except for defensive line and wide receiver, what's the – and with the schedule that I think is a little bit more favorable, at least in the SEC, than what it was last year, Who's to say that Arkansas, like, when you know that, why can't they go eight and four, nine and three? Crazy talk at 10 and two. Like, what, what would keep them from getting to that point when it seems that they've improved dramatically or at least improved in a lot of those key spots and those key positions? Yeah, I mean, I, I can hear you. Uh, my counterpoint would be those two positions you mentioned, defensive line and wide receiver, are pretty big concerns for me, at least, and probably why I'm not going to go, you know, say like, oh, eight and four, nine and three type of prediction at this moment. Now that could change after we watch a little bit of fall camp and, and things, but uh, the wide receiver position specifically, just because Traylon Burks was such a generational talent, I don't think it could be understated how good and important he was to that offense, to KJ Jefferson. So is Jaden Hazelwood going to be able to come in and fill that role? I mean, even just get close to it and then everyone else step up their game and, and replace, you know, the guys that, you know, I mean, Tyson Morris and Davion Warren, again, they weren't great players, uh, but they were solid and they played a ton last year. 
uh, both of those guys are gone too. So you need a Warren Thompson or a Keytron Jackson to step up and be better than they were last year. You need an Isaiah Satinia or a Sam Bakke or one of those true freshmen to come in and be a contributor right out of the gate. Uh, so that that's that's probably the one thing that I'm just a little bit concerned of. But then again, I can also talk myself right back into it by saying, well, the running game is going to be so good that that should open up the passing game and make things a little bit easier on the receivers. Because I do think Arkansas has four legit SEC, at least three, if not four legit SEC running backs. And then KJ Jefferson is such a, a, a threat running the ball as well. That should in theory open up that passing game. So, uh, I'm a little bit, you know, wait, wait and see mode right now. I want to see how it looks in fall camp, but uh, I can definitely hear where you're coming from as far as, you know, all the other positions seem to be, you know, much improved. Yeah, it's okay. I'll be the crazy one that'll probably go over the top with my prediction. So I'll, <laughs> I'll do that. But uh, we'll talk more with Andrew Hutchin here in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about Built Bar, folks. We know that it's tough in the summertime when you're on the go everywhere, and especially when you're going on vacations and whatnot. To be able to eat, especially eat healthy. But Built Bar really helps you out with that because it's the best protein bar out there. It has 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories. But the most important thing is that it tastes great. And you can do it on the go, whether you have before workout, after workout, doesn't matter. It's always convenient and it's always great at any point in time. You've heard me talk about it. I use them. I eat them all the time. They're incredible. I would not tell you to do it unless I truly believed in it. So, if you go to built.com right now, enter in promo code locked on or locked 15, you'll get 15% off your next order. It's as simple as that. Just head to the website at built.com, enter in promo code locked 15, and you'll get 15% off your next order off of Built Bar. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so our uh, final segment here with Andrew Hutchinson of Best of Arkansas Sports. Uh, I know we've talked a lot of football, but there's still some things that kind of come out about basketball and, and with baseball for the Razorbacks. So I want to ask you uh, just a few uh, few quick ones. Like, am I the only one that starts watching these videos of Eric Musselman's practices with these players and these highlights? And I start, like, convincing myself even more. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a Final Four team. Like, I, I know that there's a tournament. The NCAA tournament's a crapshoot. You never know. But, Andrew, I, can you remember a time where there's been this much talent on a Razorback roster? I, I don't think this millennium, I don't think this century, as far as talent goes, could be one of the most talented teams. It's hard for me to not watch those videos, see the recruiting, see all the excitement surrounding it, and not start buying into this team being a 30-win team this upcoming season. Yeah, I think you're, you are a perfect example of why Eric Musselman shares those clips because he <laughs> knows how to build the excitement and the hype around the program. I mean, not that he needs much more help because there's already just an insane amount of excitement. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, there there is a ton of talent on this team. Uh, probably, I mean, it's probably, at least on paper, the most talented team of my lifetime. And for perspective, I was born nine days after they won the national championship in 94. So maybe that 95 team when I was, you know, just about one, almost one year old, maybe that team was more talented because you got Corliss and Scotty and all those guys, uh, pretty much the same group that, that won the national title the year before. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, there, there's been some really good players. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Bobby Portis, tremendous player. Uh, you know, Daniel Gafford, tremendous player. Ronnie Brewer great player 
but to have this many guys, and I've already kind of looked at some of the way too early mock drafts for the 2023 NBA draft, and all three of those McDonald's All-Americans are being talked about as potential lottery picks. And I don't think it's a stretch to say at least two of them probably will be. I mean, Nick Smith sure seems as, as close to a lock as there is. And then Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh, both of those guys are, are fantastic. And, you know, maybe one of those other transfers, you know, blows up and has a tremendous year. Uh, you know, I've seen those guys being talked about as, you know, guys that have the potential to be breakout guys. So uh, to, and then throw in, you know, Devo Davis coming back as kind of the veteran of the group. He was a guy that before last season, we were talking about is maybe he'll be the guy that gets drafted after a sophomore year and not Jalen Williams. So the potential is there. And I think when you've got that much talent, it's only natural, especially when you throw in the fact that they've been to the elite eight the last two years. Well, the next natural progression would be to make it to the final four. And then who knows what happens if you get to that point. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited for basketball. Probably the most I've talked about basketball during the summer months that I can ever remember uh, since, you know, being on this beat and, you know, being a sports writer, because uh, it's just, it's a, it's at an all-time high, the excitement. Yeah, and I was thinking about the way that, you know, Eric Musselman handles the program. Like, I think it's such a great recruiting tool, too, and how cool it is that, you know, you had Moses, or I guess going back, you had Isaiah Joe drafted. No, you can go back further than that. Yeah, Daniel Gafford drafted, obviously, and Mike Anderson's last year, phenomenal player, he gets drafted. Then the next year, Eric Musselman's first year, he has Isaiah Joe drafted. And then the next year, Moses Moody is drafted. And then this past year, Jalen Williams gets drafted. And you just mentioned, like, I think we all can agree that he's going to get a player drafted this upcoming draft. Like, one of these guys is going to get drafted, at least one of them. And that, like, you talk about a string of draft picks, not only draft picks, but draft picks from Arkansas, from the state of Arkansas. One, that shows you how much talent is in this state. But two, also showcases just the state of where Eric Musselman has this program at where he is able to get guys into the NBA. And when you're able to do that recruits, five stars, McDonald's, all Americans are going to start seeing that they're like, Hey, I want to go there because they know how to get me to the next level and get me into the league. Yeah, this is a four straight years that they've had a player drafted. And the last time that happened at Arkansas was the late seventies, early eighties. So we're talking like 40 years since that had happened. So that's incredible in itself. And, and then the fact that um, you've just got this many guys that, that could not just get drafted and have a chance. I mean, look at look at the summer league that's going on right now. I mean, you've got guys that, that weren't drafted. You know, Stanley Amude, I've seen, that is having a really good summer with the Pistons. Um, you know, J.D. Note got picked up. Uh, guys that, and Justin Smith, I think, is still playing in the summer league. So these are guys that, that weren't even, you know, these guys weren't McDonald's All-Americans that came to Arkansas and became first-round picks like we saw with Moses Moody or even second-round picks like we've seen with Jalen Williams and Isaiah Joe. But these are guys that came to Arkansas, played in the system, had success, and now are getting that opportunity to you know get that chance in the NBA. And so I, I think that that's a, a great recruiting tool for Eric Musselman. Uh, I mean, he, even look at what he did at Nevada. I mean, the, the Martin Twins. Both of those guys, I can't remember if either one of them got drafted or if they're both undrafted guys, but they just recently, both of them signed, you know, deals like beyond their rookie contracts that are going to pay them millions of dollars. And that if you had told people that back whenever they were first entering the league, people had thought they were crazy. And I think that's just, a, again, a testament to Eric Musselman's, you know, coaching and, and this pr a way to prepare you for that next level. 
give him some guys like Nick Smith and who knows what could happen. I mean, you're, you could be talking a top five pick like, like we've seen in all these projections. Last one for you for Razorback baseball. I know it doesn't get covered in recruiting and print transfer portal as much as football and basketball, but we know what Arkansas baseball lost. We know that what they're kind of gaining. So can you kind of give us a, an idea of just how good Dave Van Horn is doing as far as not just recruiting, but getting into the portal and bringing people in? Like how good are these guys going to be once they get to Arkansas? Well, if you ask me this question again in about two and a half weeks after we pass the MLB draft signing deadline, then I'll be able to better answer this question. But if, if the guys they have committed make it to campus, then it's, again, a really, really good class. I mean, the high school class itself is ranked fifth nationally by perfect game. Then you throw in, uh, they've got a bunch of JUCO guys coming in, I think 10 by last count. Uh, I think one of those is a draft risk that could get drafted and, and not make it to school, but the other ones should make it to school. And then you've got the, the, the transfer portal. Um, you've got guys that, you know, are definitely going to make it like a Jared Wagner from, from Creighton who, you know, he told me he hasn't really heard from MLB scouts or whatever. So he's basically going to come to Arkansas for his last year. And maybe he could be like a, a Chris Lanzilli type, you know, corner outfielder with some pop and, and hit for average. Uh, you've got a, another guy in Cody Frank from Nebraska that I don't believe is going to get drafted, uh, who I think has the potential to be a really big key arm for you on next year's staff. And then, of course, you've got the guys that you have to really worry about, like a Jordan Sprinkle from UC Santa Barbara, who some people before the season were talking about him as a, a first-round pick in this year's draft. He kind of struggled offensively this year, uh, but I've heard that he may be better defensively at shortstop than even Jalen Battles, which, again, I'm going to believe it when I see it, but that's some high praise. So uh, you've got some really good players. Julian Bosnick, another guy that was highly regarded going into last year's MLB draft, decided to come back to school to South Carolina, had a season-ending injury. If he comes back healthy, he's another guy that could be another key arm, a left-handed arm for the Razorbacks. So uh, I say all that, long way of saying it's a really talented group. And I've, I've written extensively about all these guys over on bestofarkansasports.com. Uh, so I'll plug that. Go check it out. It's, it's, it's shaping up to be another really, really talented roster. And as long as you've got Dave Van Horn in the dugout, uh, you've got a very good chance to end up in Omaha at the end of the year. Well, Andrew, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Check out his stuff at bestofarkansasports.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. Appreciate it, man. Congrats on the new gig and uh, looking forward to having another great school year of Razorback athletics, to, especially covering them, because it's a lot more fun, as you say, when the team's actually doing good across the board. And as we mentioned, the big three, they're definitely doing well. Exactly. Trips to Tampa are never a bad thing. <laughs> I'll take a I'll take a trip to Houston in uh, in late March, early April. I'll do that one too for the final four as well. So but appreciate it, man. Have a great one. All right. Yeah, talk to you later, John.